the assemblies of God failed. It was not a failure of organization for details had been arranged. It was not a failure of leadership for capable leaders did abound. It was not a failure of finances for manna had fallen faithfully from heaven. It was not a failure of experience for they had seen the sea part and the mountain quake and a wall of fire surround. The assemblies of God failed for they walked to the edge of Jordan, looked over at a good land, looked longer at the giants, and then slunk back to be judged in the desert from which they came. Joshua chapter 5 verse 6 informs us that they were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. In Numbers 14, in short order, we are told, the people felt sorry for themselves. They cried all night. They woke up the next morning and blamed the leaders. They made plans to choose someone who would lead them away from risk, away from giants, and back to the challenge-free comfort of servitude. Moses and Aaron fell on their face. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes saying, don't fear, the giants are our bread. The Lord is with us and the assemblies of God took up stones to silence them. It is at this point that the God of the assemblies nears the limits of his infinite patience. His glory descends and he begins to speak. How long will these people reject me? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. God still intends that his earth be filled with his glory. Thousands of people groups in our day remain glory void. It is the challenge of this generation to take the glory of God to the most inconvenient places and peoples who remain. It is up to us to be the glory generation. Our generation is not disconnected from others. Honor is due the men and women of 1914 who stood on their Jordan and declared, we commit ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest evangelism the world has seen. They said in essence, we dedicate ourselves to filling the earth with glory. Honor is due the glory bearers who understood God's passion and pushed back the darkness of their generation. Argentina was dark in 1910 when Alice Wood carried there the glory. Asia was dark in 1892 when W.W. Simpson bore the glory to China. Africa was dark 94 years ago when Harry and Lily Bowley pushed back the darkness and lifted up the light. That was then. And now those centers shine glory down on us. History is not static. The earth turns on its axis. Empires rise and set and darkness revolves.
This generation of the assemblies of God is again standing on the banks of Jordan. And looking over Jordan, what do we see? The Goliath of our generation is Islam. The mountain that Caleb conquered, Hebron, is today a Muslim city. The giants of our time do not confine themselves to Mecca. These giants club down the World Trade Centers in New York City. These giants stamp out Christian witness in Dearborn, Michigan. These giants explode themselves and the innocent in Baghdad. These giants censor the media in Copenhagen. These giants growl from Mauritania to Indonesia. And these giants steadily grow in the rural towns of Bible Belt America. This generation now and for the decades to come must stand eyeball to eyeball with the giant with the mountain of Islam. And we must name Christ where he has not been named. We must participate in our movement's finest hour. We must bear the glory of God to the darkest places of earth. We must shout his name amongst every unreached people group. We must advance to our glory barred gates and address them in the name of Jesus. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Be lifted up, O gates of Saudi. Be smashed down, O walls of Afghanistan. Be lifted up, ye citadel of Libya, for the King of glory cometh in. This generation must take our place in a long line of glory bearers. We must take on the giants. We must be the Caleb's of our time. Rhetoric aside, when we leave the comfort of this venue and this land, when we walk with wobbly knees into the land of giants, what will it take and what will it mean to be a glory bearer? Let's learn from Caleb himself. It will mean passion, it will mean pioneering, it will mean perseverance, and it will mean power. In verse 8 of Joshua 14, Caleb says, I wholly followed the Lord. Caleb's name, as you know, means dog, and the implied meaning is mad dog. All the other spies had great names, yet mad dog Caleb and Joshua, Hebrew for Jesus, are the only ones who made it. Mad dog and Jesus, the only winning combination. Caleb's are men and women who will take the glory of God to the darkest corners of earth. Such people must be madly in love with Jesus. A crazy love for Jesus will be the only thing that sustains. In the last 18 months in Sudan, the government has expelled 12 friends and 14 agencies. Bandits brutally murdered a colleague outside his home. Terrorists assassinated a U.S. diplomat at his gate. Rebels kidnapped workers in fraternal organizations. Fundamentalists decapitated a journalist. Militia attacked our city, killing more than 100 persons. The International Criminal Court indicted our president on charges of war crimes. Demons assaulted my family. One of our ministry vehicles was hijacked and the driver shot. We endured spiritual cursing and attack. Israel bombed a convoy. Chad launched airstrikes. My office and our store was broken into and searched. 
threats abounded, demonstrations in the street, occasional lockdown in our house for safety, security police repeatedly investigating our projects, thousands brutally killed and raped in Darfur. Each day, constant pressure, constant frustration, and constant oppression. And I went to Sudan because I thought I was strong. I went to bear the glory. I went because I thought I had something to offer. And it did not take long to discover that I needed Muslim Sudan more than Muslim Sudan needed me. For in unglorified lands, you quickly become aware that you can only survive if you are madly in love with Jesus. Waiting with Jennifer for a taxi in the street one day, I began to ask myself, what am I doing here? Has pride led to a colossal mistake? Did a love for adventure and a deluded sense of my strength bring me here only for me to realize I am powerless and helpless to do anything? And in my desperation, I prayed, Lord, in my weakness, I need a sign. Show me that we did not come here foolishly, vainly. Show us in effect that your glory will prevail. As I prayed, a Sudanese car pulled up. An Arab man in a flowing white robe and turban offered us a lift. He conversed kindly with us. He had a winning smile and then even drove us a distance out of his way. We got out of the car, started to walk away. I realized I had forgotten to ask his name. Turning back to the car, I said, Excuse me, sir, who are you? He looked at me, his eyes sparkled, and he said in perfect English, Oh, my name is Jesus. And then he drove away. Neither Epiphany nor Angel, he was just a man. Many Muslims, ironically, bear the name of our Lord. He simply reminded me that the love of Jesus alone will carry us through. I'd like you to sing this chorus with me, if you know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory What are the things of earth? Money, sex, power, yes. Let me give you some others. Ordination, 16 fundamentals, tongues, churches, evangelism, missions. These are things of earth. They will not exist in heaven, but glory and grace certainly will. Yes, even missions is a thing of earth. In comparison to our love for Jesus, even missions must fade. My father taught me this for outstanding missionary that he was and is. He is great not for his work, but because of his simplicity.
My father is completely in love with Jesus. And when you're around him, you just want to love Jesus more. No bells, no whistles, just the undeniable reality of the presence of Jesus. The simplicity of just having Jesus. This is the first, this is the primary qualification for glory bearing. Glory bearers are passionate for Jesus. Glory bearers give Jesus the best part of their day and the strength of their youth. Glory bearers are addicted to prayer and the Bible. Glory bearers know how to abide in Christ. Glory bearers love Jesus more than the mission and more than the challenge and more than the cause. They love him more than the movement. They love him more than the kingdom. Glory bearers love Jesus with a whole crazy heart. Glory bearers are madly in love with Jesus. And this generation of glory bearers will be passionate for Jesus. This generation of glory bearers will also pioneer. In Joshua 14 verse 12, Caleb says, I'm as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. Caleb at 85, no different than 40, physically, yes, of course, but also heart and spirit. It was at 85 that Caleb said, now give me this mountain. Glory bearers never lose their longing for the mountains. Glory bearers have this inherent, unquenchable passion to spread God's glory where it has not yet reached. In 1921, this general council of the Assemblies of God declared, the Foreign Missions Department will be guided by the following. The Pauline example will be followed as far as possible by seeking neglected regions where the gospel has not been preached lest we build on another man's foundation. The Assemblies of God was birthed to take God's glory to the darkness. And by His grace, we have done that in many places of the earth. As the glory settled, however, so did we. Caleb at 85 was excited and determined not to settle by the glory, but rather to carry it to the mountains. You don't have to be young to be part of this generation. Age is in your head. Glory is in your heart. Appointed missionary status does not automatically make us glory spreaders. At 85, our hearts still must burn. Into our fourth term, our spirits still must be stirred. Where does the glory yet need to reach? Bob and Merle McCulley served their first term as area missionaries in Mwanza, Tanzania. They did their second term in the Doma at the Bible school. They did their third and their fourth terms reaching the unreached Maasai in the Kenyan bush. They did their fifth term helping genocide torn Rwanda heal. After five terms in some of the most difficult places on earth, children grown and gone, the fire was still burning. Where now, Lord, they asked. Where does the glory yet need to flow? And hearing from God, Bob and Merle McCulley carried the glory to militant war-torn Sudan. Some of the best missionaries to Muslims and in general are those who have no children, whose children have moved on, for they are free to pioneer in some of the most inconvenient places on earth. And the spirit of Caleb says, here I am, still strong. I'm still passionate about the darkness. Forty-five years of experience have only wet my appetite. Sign me up. My heart still burns for souls. I'll take God's glory to the ends of the earth. I'll name him amongst the unreached. I'm not only talking about geography. 
though that is a crucial factor, we all know that missions is layered and complex. I am talking about a pioneer spirit in every Bible school, in every field meeting, in every ministry, in every church, in every pastor, in every missionary, in every young person. The Foreign Missions Department will be guided by seeking neglected regions, regions where the gospel has not been preached. And somewhere in each of our spirits, a fire must burn for the unglorified corners and peoples of the earth. And that fire for God's glory must guide us. When it's time to begin, we must ask, where are the unengaged people? When it is time for another term, we must ask, where are the unglorified? When it's time for placement, we must ask, where are the neglected regions? Every missionary, every pastor, every Christian may not have apostolic gifts. We all, however, have been called to apostolic function. One more soul, one more church, one more people, one more nation. We are called to bear the glory, to pioneer. Otherwise, we are not biblical missionaries. Otherwise, essentially, we are not assemblies of God. This generation of glory bearers, passionate for Jesus, this generation of glory bearers will pioneer. And thirdly, this generation of glory bearers shall persevere. In Joshua 7, 12, Caleb says, It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out. Caleb attempted the mountain not knowing if he would summit. This generation will be a martyr's generation. We are men of action, said Wesley of Princess Bride fame. Lies do not become us, so let us speak frankly. This generation will bring light to the darkness of Islam by dying. Islam will not be fought with guns nor intellect. Islam will be loved to death. That death will necessarily include some of our best and brightest. And if we really believe that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, then we have to be willing to scatter some seed. We have to be willing for some of our sons to bleed and for our daughters to die. Perhaps we have not seen a breakthrough of glory in the Muslim world because we are not willing to scatter seeds where we know they will be crushed. Yet greater love has no man than this, that the assemblies of God lay down its life for Muslim friends. Sajid was the first nationally appointed Pakistan Assembly of God missionary. He had a tremendous burden for Muslim communities of Northwest Frontier Province in Pakistan, which borders Afghanistan. A man of integrity and character. He was married to Sarah and they had one daughter, Hosanna. And last year he was martyred, shot in cold blood because of his love for Muslims. Glory bearers persevere with no need of a guarantee of life. It is not ultimately about conquering Islam. It is about the whole earth being full of the glory of God. And sometimes God's glory is best seen when His unprofitable servants are crushed by stones and hung upside down on crosses and have bullets shot into their brains. 
we will carry in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so that death will be at work in us, but life in Muslims, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Pentecost helps us die. Pentecost has never been synonymous with long life. Celebrate your Pentecost by marching with it to the unglorified. Pentecost does not empower us to raise our hands that we slap one another on the back. Pentecost was not unleashed that we lift our tongues in self-congratulation. Pentecost was granted so that we speed out of our comfortable huddles to the unglorified peoples of earth. We are not empowered to retire in luxury and ease. Spirit life was given that we might persevere until death. The life of Jesus is granted that we carry in our body the death of Jesus, his death working in us towards life amongst the unglorified. Pentecost empowers life and death. And fathers and mothers in the faith, you have long showed us how to live. Lead us yet in one more service. Teach us how to die. Give me the mountain, said Caleb at 85. Give us the unglorified is our refrain. It may be that God helps us. Regardless, because of love, we will live or we will die trying. Fourthly, this generation of glory bearers shall be marked by power. A few years ago, Jennifer and I were awakened by a call in the night. The daughter of one of our closest Sudanese friends had died. The deceased was in her early 20s. She had a young three-month-old daughter. We went to the hospital. We collected the corpse and drove our friend home. The corpse was placed on a wooden framed rope bed. Relatives gathered and began to mourn. Several ladies were sitting on the bed wailing. I sensed a prompting to go and pray for that young woman. I prayed for her resurrection. I prayed that God would power life into her dead body. I laid my hands on her head and prayed in Jesus' name, and her head lifted. My heart leaped, but soon settled as I realized a hefty relative had just stood up from that rope bed, and the shifting ropes had moved the head of that dead body. No resurrection. A no to my fervent prayer. On the dark way home, I began to wrestle with God's decision. I trusted you. I believed. I acted. I prayed. And I looked like a fool. As, a, as I grumbled with God, a question popped into my head. What would you have done if God would have raised that woman from the dead? I answered myself. I would have immediately gone home, written an email to our supporters, given God the glory for his act of power and subtly written into the email an Oscar to myself for best supporting actor. And then in despair, the reality hit me. My current character cannot support God's act of power. Pride would have flooded into my heart and led to my destruction. God's decision to restrain his power was an act of mercy on me. 
the tragedy being that God's power was withheld as his vessel was untrustworthy. The dead remained unresurrected and I was to blame. Oh, for the power of poverty of spirit. It is the poor in spirit who are trusted with the power of the kingdom. The kingdom is meant to be manifest in sign and power and deed and healing and miracle. But God will not share his glory with another. It is the lowly alone who can be trusted with God's power. And the generation that takes God's glory to the ends of the earth must be a lowly one in order to be trusted with God's power. We must be poor in spirit. Only God must get the glory. Only He must receive praise. Only God is to be lauded and adored. He will not share His glory with another. And that includes you and that includes me. This generation will be empowered, but not by shallow ecclesiastical tricks. It is poverty of spirit that empowers us. And it is to the lowly that God grants grace. The neglected regions that remain the peoples and the nations that are glory ignorant are not going to be won by our intellect. They are not going to be won by strategy. They are not going to be won by sheer effort. They are not going to be won by presence alone. Islam is unimpressed with your natural strength. It is not your language skill or your contextualization nor the force of your will that will bring God's glory to the darkest places of earth. There are forces and powers of evil beyond your limits and understanding. It will be God's word, not man's ideas. It will be God's power, not my strength. It will be God's love, not your compassion. It will be the power of poverty of spirit that brings the glory of God to the ends of the earth. Youth of this generation, hear this and let it penetrate your spirit. Caleb was technically correct the first time. On that first trip to Jordan, the assemblies of God failed him. And what did Caleb do? He followed them for 40 years. He did not start Caleb International World Mission to the mountains. Caleb bit his lip, and knowing he was in the right, he followed a bunch of cowards into the desert for 40 fruitless circular years. And what happened? His buddy Joshua got promoted. And as leader, administrator, superintendent, regional director, Joshua blessed Caleb and sends him to the mountains. There is room in the assemblies of God for modern-day Caleb's. Do you think for one moment that our Joshua's will restrict you? Joshua's, after all, are simply the best Caleb's promoted. There is room in the assemblies of God for a generation passionate for Jesus. There is room in the assemblies of God for a generation of pioneers. There is room in the assemblies of God for a generation that will persevere till death. There is room in the assemblies of God for a generation empowered by poverty of spirit. Bearing the glory to the neglected places and peoples of earth was our original mandate, and our leaders know it. Identify 
through prayer and research, a people group on earth that is unengaged, Muslim or otherwise. Search, find a tribe that has no Christians, no churches, no missionaries, no glory. Pray, as William Carey said, with a Bible in one hand and a map in the other. Go to our Joshua's. Go with fire in your eyes. Go with passion in your heart. Ask for the mountains. Send me to Saudi. Send me to Libya. Send me to Yemen. Send me to Afghanistan. Send me to Turkey. Send me to an unengaged Muslim people group. Send me to Iraq. Send me to the Taliban. Appoint me to take God's glory to the hell holes of earth. Tell them, I will bear the glory. I will batter the gates of hell. I will go in passion. I will pioneer. I will persevere to the end. I will be empowered by poverty of spirit. I will herald the king. Rise up, O generation of glory, and speak to the strongholds. The gates of Tunis shall be lifted up. The doors of Tripoli shall be broken down. The glory of God shall advance through the very gates of hell. Our generation will be the forward infantry. Stand up. Oh, generation of God, and speak to closed doors. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Because God is merciful... He will forgive the assemblies of God for our failures. But as surely as he lives, all the earth shall be filled with his glory. There are yet dark corners, unreached peoples of earth, and these are the giants in need of God's glory. An unreached people group has some workers amongst them and just a few indigenous believers, not enough yet to, to reach their own. An unengaged Muslim people group has no workers, no light, no missionaries, no hope. And the most pressing need that we have is for men and women, young and old, to answer the call of the Spirit to the unengaged. There are over 1,000 Muslim people groups in the world today that have no one working with them, no Christians, no Bible, no scripture. And the Assemblies of God has identified 60 of them for engagement, 50 around the world, and 10 right here in the U.S. It's our dream, it's our goal, it is our privilege to have church planting teams amongst these unengaged Muslim peoples. We need laborers, we need men and women, we need those willing to sweat, young and old, who will be willing to be part of multi-agency and multinational and multi-generational teams who will take the glory to these unreached places of earth. And tonight, if you feel the drawing of the Spirit to spend your life doing something of significance for the kingdom, to engage Muslim peoples with love, truth, and power, and to do this in teams of black and brown and yellow and white, rich and poor, us and others, here and abroad. In a moment, not yet, in a moment, would you seal that by coming to the altar to pray? And if today you share in God's passion to see his glory penetrate the very heart of Islam and every other darkness we face, 
if you share a passion to see the earth filled with glory, then in a moment, not now, I want to invite you to come up out of your chair and pray around these altars. You might be 14, you might be 85. You might be a pastor, a layperson, or a missionary, or a youth. Whatever your age, if there is a kindling, a spark in your heart for Jesus and his comprehensive glory in a moment, not yet, I want you to come and pray. On the way to the altar, you will be handed a card. Altar workers, if you would begin to come. Listed on the back of this card are the unengaged, unreached Muslim people groups of earth that both world missions and U.S. missions have selected that we desperately need church planting teams to work amongst. When you come to the altar, take the card, don't stop and come and find a place to kneel and spread out all across this auditorium and put that data in front of you and begin to pray and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do? Where is the Holy Spirit asking you to go? Linger in prayer with the precious Holy Spirit and read over those names of tribes. No missionaries, no Christians, no churches, no Bibles, nothing. What does the Holy Spirit want us to do. And if these altars become crowded, we will have these people groups for you on the screen. And you can sit in your chair and make that an altar and ask what the Holy Spirit would want you or your church or your family to do. On the flip side of the card, you can fill in your name and information. When you're finished praying, please leave that on the altars and we will contact you how to pray, how to go, how to be trained, that the glory of Jesus might reach to every person on earth. We are doing this without music, without noise, and without fanfare. Would you please come now and respond to the Holy Spirit?